You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. So Lord, you may be seated this morning. Wow. Somebody say, wow. <laughs> uh, we started this series um, titled The Blood. I'm in the third week. We took last weekend off. Uh, we honored to have Jason Crabb. How many was, and, and Mickey, the comedian, how many was here last Sunday morning? I should say, how many was not here last Sunday morning? Why not? <laughs> I don't know where Jason got that sweater from. I waited to all the staff, we were all together, and I already called Pastor Rita, and she didn't know why, but I asked her to bring me a house coat. And uh, it was Monday morning. She brought me one, had all kind of flowers and everything on it. And I walked into the staff meeting with that long thing on and they all busted out laughing. But, uh, and Mickey, the comedian, uh, when I seen how he started calling people out when they were going out to the bath, I would have wet my pants before I got up. No question. I wasn't moving. I wasn't moving. Hey, Amen. What a, what a great day. So this series, it's titled The Blood, and if you've not been here and you've not witnessed the last um, two messages, I would pray that you would go online and review that because you'll be kind of left out a little bit, kind of be uh, lost just maybe a, a little bit. Um, when we began this series, I shared with you what the prophet Hosea had to say in chapter four, uh, verse six. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He said, my people. And just during worship, this thought came to my mind that God's people are in God's house all over the world today. And Hosea says, my people. And I wonder how many people that are in a church across America or this world today and do not understand that Jesus shed his blood from his body seven different places from his body. And they don't understand what each place represents and what benefit, what blessing is in each one of those places that he shed his blood. So my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And when we was worshiping, my mind went to the Lord thinking, I gave them everything they need. I shed my blood from seven different places to make their life complete. And the majority don't even know why. I believe it's the most important series of messages that I've ever preached on. We started out in the Garden of Gethsemane and we tried to, we had trees on the stage. Gethsemane was an olive garden and they would take the olives and they would put them in a, in a press. And that's where Jesus was in that garden before they came to arrest him. And he was feeling the pressure. He was being squeezed with the pressure of being separated from his father, knowing what lied ahead. And the Bible said 
He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but if not, not my will, but thy will. So we learn that in the Garden of Eden, when they were not obedient, we lost our willpower. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a battle between his flesh and his spirit. He was all God, but he was all man. And there was a battle going on, and he didn't want to do it. He knew what he was going to go through, Scotty. But in that Garden of Gethsemane, and all of us have areas in our life where we struggle with willpower. And the devil would want you to think you gotta give in all the time. But the blood that was shed under the pressure, drops of blood begin to drip on the ground and that's where our willpower that was lost in the Garden of Eden was won back in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that was week one and week two they take Jesus and they strap him in at the whipping post and they take what is called a flagello. And on the end, it would either have bones or small pieces of lead. And they were allowed to give 40 lashes. They stopped at 39. Because 40 would often bring death. His back was laid completely open like a plowed field. And he said, I believe it was in Isaiah, he said, I give my back to the smiters. I give. Nobody took it from him. He gave it for our healing. Our physical healing, our emotional healing, our mental healing, healings of our marriages, healing of our relationships, and the church as a whole don't even know it. So today, by his stripes, you are healed. So today, we step into week three. The title of the message, Thorns Won Back Our Prosperity. The number seven symbolizes in the Bible perfection or wholeness. It's no coincidence that he shed his blood from seven different areas. Seven means complete, means whole. So if we'll learn the seven different places that his blood was shed, we can live through this life whole. And the world can't understand that, and the majority of the church don't know it. Stand with me this morning, please. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Redeemed means to be brought back. Brought back to the state of wholeness before Adam sinned in the garden. So through his blood that was shed, we have been bought back, brought back to the state Adam and Eve enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. That's, that's amazing. I'll tell you, I, I don't know about you, I, I'm, not, I'm just being honest, my life is good. My life is good and it get, it's gonna get gooder and gooder because I'm learning more and I'm understanding more. Now you can, you can, just, you, you know, you can tune it out you can walk in on Sunday morning and walk back out the same way you came in, but that's like going through a drive-through car wash and coming out on the other side dirty. You'd be upset. You'd want your money back. 
So let's drive into the presence of God today and let's come out a changed person. Can somebody say amen? amen? They lived in the blessing, Adam and Eve, and the presence of God before the fall. Whew. This place is available for you and I in every area of our lives. There was no sickness and there was no poverty. While obeying God, Adam had everything that he needed. While obeying God. And I'm just being honest, I look back in the past couple of weeks working on this. While I obey God, and I'm a doer of his word, not just a hearer, God provides everything I need. And he doesn't stop there. He gives me most of the desires of my heart. That's incredible. So while we obey God, we will get everything that we need. James, it's not in my scripture. I just wrote it down a few minutes before I came out. It's not in the, the, the main scripture. James 1 and 22. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And that grabbed me in my office early this morning. Deceiving my own self. You can come in church and, and be a hearer of the word and never apply it to your own life and you are not hurting anyone except your own self and your own marriage and your own children and your own family. But when Adam disobeyed God, God declared the curse that came upon the land through Adam's sin. Scotty, just take your mask off. You don't need a microphone. And bless God's word here today. I'll tell you, somebody is going to get some help today. I, I'm not just throwing that out. You don't hear me say that very often. I'm telling you, somebody today, more than somebody, there's going to be me. I believe with all my heart, if you listen to God, because I come prepared. Not just here, I come prepared. And you need to open up your heart and say, God, reveal to me what you want me to have. Let's go back to uh, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, chapter three, verse 17. And God says unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, every man in the house, look at your wife. Say it was your fault. You wouldn't have said that outside of church because she'd have knocked you out. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat. He was the hearer of the word and not a doer. Shall not eat of it. Now listen what happened. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. For thy sake, Adam. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now listen to this. We're speaking about the third place Jesus shed his blood was the thorn, the crown of thorns, three and a half inches estimated, shoved down over his head and he bled from his brow. Why did it come from that place? Because in verse 18, because Adam in the beginning did not listen and they had a garden that all they had to do, they had to work, but not hard, they had to tend to it. But he said now, Thorns and thistles. There was never thorns and thistles in the garden before that. This is amazing stuff. 
Thorns also and thistles shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, in verse 19, in the sweat of thy face. Some translation says brow. In the face of thy brow shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground, till thou return. You can't return unless you've been there. Adam came from the ground. He was the dust, do you hear me? For out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. Man was condemned to live in a cursed world. And the Hebrew text says, cursed be the ground because of you. God said, because of you, Adam, cursed be the ground. Our struggles come because, all of our struggles come because of Adam being disobedient. God cursed the ground because of Adam's sin. Why? Because Adam and Eve, excuse me, Adam and the earth was interrelated. Adam came from the earth. Adam was not imperfect any longer because of the fall. Do you hear what I'm saying? God could not allow an imperfect Adam to continue on in a perfect world. Adam, excuse me, was not perfect any longer. James 4 and 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. It was sin, Scotty, for Adam to do what he did because he knew not to do it. So what's that mean for you and I? That is a description of sin. Anything that you know to do that God instructs you to do and you do not do it, it is sin. God had, had to curse the earth as a part of judgment upon Adam. Now get this, the earth belonged to Adam and Adam belonged to the earth. It's where he came from. Since that day, somebody say since that day. Mankind has had to sweat for everything that he's gotten. He's had to work. But the third place that Jesus shed his blood, it broke the curse of poverty. And that is the crown of thorns. So on the way to Pilate, after he had been arrested, as they were on that journey and they were mocking Jesus, in Matthew 29, or 27 and 29, and when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. Already been to the whipping post. Already been to the press. And for you and I, he takes a crown of thorns. And when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand and they bowed their knee before him and mocked him, saying, King of the Jews. So on the way to Pilate, as they were mocking Jesus, they saw a bush. Saw a bush there along the road, the symbol of the curse of poverty upon the land. They wove it into a crown and they placed it on the brow of Jesus. I, I don't even want to pick it up without being protected. 
and they placed this on the brow of Jesus. Was it just by accident? I don't think so. The earth was cursed with thorns and thistles. Adam, the first Adam, cursed the ground because of his disobedience. The ground was cursed. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the second Adam. And the second Adam won back our poverty, the curse that came in the garden was taken away by the crown of thorns and you and I can be prosperous because of the blood of Jesus. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Very important, the symbol of poverty was placed on the brow of Jesus, again, the second Adam. And when those thorns pierced his brow, he shed his blood for the redemption of our poverty. When those thorns pierced his brow, that blood beneath his hair began to flow down his forehead. We were cursed with the, po with, with the poverty of the sweat of Adam's brow, but we were redeemed from the curse of poverty from the blood that shed on Jesus' brow. What Satan means for evil, God will turn it around for good. You need to hear that. There's example after example in the Bible, but the life of Joseph, what a great example. In Genesis 50 and 20, he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. And I wrote this down earlier this morning. What is the devil trying to do evil in your life? Is he just trying to destroy your relationship your friendship, your finances, your mental ability. See, trying to destroy your emotions. When you learn about the blood, what the devil has meant for evil, and the blood of Jesus is applied, what the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around for God's good and God's glory and your good also. Give him a hand clap of praise. Joseph. God brought good from Joseph's brother's evil deeds. His brothers were jealous of him. They threw him in a pit, was gonna kill him. Then they decided to sell him. They sold him. But every time something happened, God turned it around for his good. When Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph, God turned it around for good. Do you hear what I'm saying? When there was neglect by the butler, God turned it around for good. When there was seven years of famine, God did what? He turned it around for good. Listen, the experiences in Joseph's life taught him that he could trust God, that every time evil showed up, that God would turn it around for good. But he had to trust God. Now listen to Proverbs chapter three, verse five. 
trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He didn't say with your head knowledge. He said with your heart. It's only about 16, uh, 16 inches uh, between your head and your heart, but some people never get from their head to their heart. And you've got to trust God, whatever the devil has brought into your household, uh, that if you will apply the blood of Jesus and you will trust God faithfully, God will show up and turn it around for his good and for your good and for the glory of the kingdom of God. Woo! Somebody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better start trusting. Because if you don't, the devil will eat your lunch. Do you hear me? Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. Lean not, every time I lean into my own understanding, I get in trouble. Every time. Lean not unto thy own understanding. Now listen, in all thy ways, in all thy ways, all means, let me give you some deep revelation here. All means all. All thy ways acknowledge him. Then what? He shall direct your paths. Man, how can I go wrong, big bop, when I'm being directed by the Lord Jesus Christ? But he's not gonna direct me if I don't trust him and acknowledge him in all my ways, in his ways. Listen to me, the soldiers took the crown of thorns and they placed it on his head. Instead of sweat, out poured the blood of Jesus. Now by the power of the blood, and there is power, a lot of places don't preach, they don't sing about the blood of Jesus. And if they're not singing about the blood and preaching about the blood, I don't wanna be there. The power of the blood of Jesus not only is the curse of poverty being broken, but once you become a believer, you are anointed of God to be prosperous. I don't think you heard it. I'll preach to you, brother, because you like it. Once that blood was shed, not only was that curse broken, but you as a believer and me as a believer, we have been anointed of God to prosper everything we put our hands to. God takes pleasure in the prosper, prosperity of his children. Give God a hand clap of praise. But you've got to know it. You've got to know it. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. Jesus became poor. What's that mean? He was poor in relationship to what he had came from. Think about that. It's important to know the example of giving of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't fully understand the example of the giving of the Lord, your life will be miserable because you'll never understand how to give sacrificial. The Lord Jesus Christ was rich. He was the son of God, possessing the very nature and being and the fullness of God. He'd been there from eternity. He dwelt in the glory and majesty and, and, and dominion and power of the Godhead. He dwelt in the light which no man could face. According to James 1 and 17, he possessed every good and perfect thing that can be possessed. Jesus Christ became poor. This refers to the incarnation of Jesus. That is to his condensation. Condensation refers to the great gulf that he had to span 
coming to earth. He left everything. Why did he do that? For you and for me. He was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords and he came to earth to be a humble man to give his blood in seven different places that you and I could be complete and be whole. Why don't my wife and I get along so well? Because of the seven. When you fully understand the seven, you can walk in a relationship because the Bible says, see again, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The Bible says that Leanne and I are bone of bone. Flesh of flesh. Why would I want to hurt myself? Sacrificial giving puts her first. And in return, it comes back to me pressed down, shaken together. But if you don't understand the word of God, you just show up and leave, come to church once every six weeks, check off the box and say, well, hallelujah, you're gonna live a miserable life. You're gonna live a miserable life. Some people believe Christians must be poor. Some people believe that. Some people believe pastors must be poor. Why do they believe that? Because they have no knowledge of the word of God. Paul taught us to be aware of the wiles of the devil. And he taught us to understand the devil's strategies. And Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I have come that they may have life and that they might have life more abundantly. I believe, that, and I've said it many times, I believe in our area, we live in a poverty mentality area. If people see somebody prospering, they must be a drug dealer. It's not, it's not God's way. God is not on a budget, do you hear me? God is not on a budget. God owns it all. He owns it all. And he shed that blood that you and I could be prosperous. I don't know, I've been broke before. I didn't like it. Anybody ever been broke before? Did you get up in the morning and say, well, thank you, Jesus, I'm broke. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> God is not on a budget. Proverbs 13 and 22. Boy, it's, this is going to get good. This is just stuff that's been in my mind for some time. A good man, in some translation says a righteous man, leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. A good man leaveth an inheritance for his children. You can't leave an inheritance if you're broke. So why would God tell us to do that if he wants us to be broke? Now here's a thought, and I've had this in my, my mind for a long time. Well, I'm not buying my child's first car. I had to buy mine, and they're gonna buy theirs. I'm not helping them get their first house. I had to do it on my own, so they're gonna have to do it on their own. So in other words, every generation has got to start out the hard way. I know it said leave them an inheritance, but if I'm doing good, I like to help them now. Now I didn't say I'm going to help them 
if they're not going to do anything on their own. Okay? Now, take this thought. If you have a son or a daughter that's messed up in life, drugs, alcohol, whatever, you'll spend everything you got to help them get right. Think about this. Spend it all to help them get right. But if you got a child that's making 4.0, going to school every day, get out of college. Well, they can just make it on their own because I had to make it on mine. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's just a little extra because it wasn't in the message. But I want you to chew on that. I want you to think about that. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Is poverty of God or is poverty of the devil? <laughs> if money and prosperity was evil, then God would have never gave us the promises of blessings in return for the tithe. Been a long time since I mentioned tithe. And I was only gonna read 10 through 12, but I threw the media curve and jotted a little note down and gave it to him earlier. I'm going back to verse eight first. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He said, in tithes and offerings. Let me explain something. A tithe is 10%. It's not what you give him, it's what you owe him. An offering is above the tithe. And then in verse nine, he says, you are cursed for you have robbed me. So what's going on there? Disobedience to God's word. Remember earlier, when you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. So I say this, try with love. Disobedience to God's word is a serious offense. Serious. This includes robbing God of what is rightfully his. And Malachi here, he informs us that Israel was guilty of such behavior. And I would say, are you? Are you guilty? I was sharing with the team in the back. If you expect, the tithe doesn't always bring back monetary. It's not a name it and claim it. But he also goes on, and I'll read it in a few moments. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. He'll stop what's about to destroy you. So married couples, if you want to walk bone of bone and flesh of flesh, you want to walk in the garden of Eden. You want to walk in the life of the blessing. You've got to have the foundation from the ground up. Now I'm going to say some things and you may not like it, but you'll get over it. You can have millions of dollars. You can have everything that the eyes of the world would say is success. But if you didn't build it from the foundation of God's word of tithing, you build it on your own. In the eyes of all your peers, you may look like you have everything, but in the eyes of God, he can look at a person that has very little compared to everyone else, but they build it on the right foundation. 
There's a gentleman here, and I won't mention his name, and he don't even know how he touched me yesterday when he said to me, I got everything that I've ever wanted. He said, I've got the Lord and I've got my wife. He said, while many people are chasing the things of this world, all the riches, he said, I've already got it. He told me this yesterday morning. He said, and listen, anybody that is privileged to spend any time with my wife, he said, they are blessed. What Jason Crabb sing last week, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. And there's nothing wrong with silver or gold, but the devil will blind you and you end up having everything, but your family will be a mess. What good would it profit a man, the Bible says, to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Now, here's something else. I wasn't planning on doing earlier in the week, and I know, Rusty, I've told you about this for 15 years. I felt like 15 years ago or more, the Lord gave me a title, tippers, tithers, and hitchhikers. And when that came to my mind, it wasn't anointed. <laughs> and I'm not trying to raise an offering. We're doing great by God's grace. A tipper goes into a restaurant. They don't own any of it. And all they want to do is eat and leave. And they want to tip for the service. Hmm. We can come into church and be a tipper. And we just tip a little bit for the service. A tither comes in and says, this is my church. I'm vested. I'm invested here. This is my staff. This is my electric bill. This is my gas bill. And they invest. A hitchhiker. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. I hope you ain't a hitchhiker. A hitchhiker. You pick them up along the journey. Oh, this is good stuff. They don't pay for nothing. They don't pay for the rubber on your tires, the windshield wipers, the oil, the ball bearings, the transmission. They just along for the ride. And let me tell you something. I started tithing. My dad taught us to tithe from the time we were born. But from up, yeah, up to about 22, I did it my way. Let me tell you how it worked out. Broke, busted, and disgusted. And I said, God, I'm not going to be a hitchhiker and I'm not going to be a tipper. January 8th of 1994, this church was founded in a garage with 23 people and we could not pay our rent and I asked the owner to give us 90 days rent free if we cleaned the place up and that day, January 8th, 94, of 23 people, we took an offering and it was pitiful but we paid 10% and we've been doing it ever since and God be the glory. It'll change your life.
Malachi chapter three, verse 10, he said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's why you bring a tithe into God's house to take care of everything and that God's spiritual food can come forward. And then he says, and I love this part because, well, I can't do it now. He says, and try me now. This is God. He says, try me. Try me now in this says the Lord of hosts, now listen what he says, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, a blessing. Why would you not want a blessing? Here's another thought I've had in my mind for many, many years. Why would I trust God with my soul for eternity and not trust him for my finances today? I didn't think that went over real well. He says, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. The New International Version translates windows as floodgates. Think about that. The floodgates hold back the flood. So if we believe that prosperity is not of God and rob him of our tithes and offering, the floodgates remain closed. I swore to God. And we miss the blessing. I, I didn't say tithing, you can buy a blessing. I didn't say that. But not tithing, you can miss a blessing. Do you hear what I'm saying? The blessings are not only financial, not. The word windows also is derived from the word, and I got a shout on me when I said, read this in my office. It means ambush. I can just picture in country western movies. They get ambushed from behind the rock. They didn't see it coming. God wants to ambush us. That we don't even know it's coming. We're not even asking for it. We're just living by what God instructs us to do. And God wants to ambush. I, I'm telling you, I don't know if you fully understand it, but I, I understand it. Every day I walk in this building, God has ambushed us time and time again. Uh, and, and not just with this building, the anointing of God has always been on my life to see people saved. Uh, through the pandemic, we've hardly seen anybody saved, but last week, we didn't even see it coming. Uh, I've been praying for it, but we got ambushed uh, out in the, in the foyer where two people People come and ask Christ into their life. God will ambush you when you're praying for your children and you don't see it happening. You just keep trusting God and doing what God, and God will ambush you and the next thing you know, your son and daughter will be right. If your marriage is struggling, you start building a new foundation from the ground up doing what God tells you to do and God will ambush, ambush you with romance, uh, thrills, uh, and adventure. Uh, I don't care how long you've been married, God still is God and he's good and he will ambush you and your baby to where you want to smoochy poochie all the time. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. God wants your relationship to prosper. God wants your kids to prosper. I never like dogs. 
but I'm in love with one now. God wants my relationship with little Leo to prosper. He'll rebuke the devourer. Cody called home and he said, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, he told his mom, said, don't let Leo out in the backyard. There's a hawk or a buzzard or something down there. Leo only weighs eight pounds. I ain't worried about that buzzard. Huh? Because my God knows the foundation that I have and he will rebuke the devourer. Because I'm gonna tell you, if something happened to my little Leo, I laid down on the floor and cry like a big baby. And I made fun of you people for years that acted like that. Stand with me this morning. You act like you're getting tired. God wants to ambush you. Man, oh man. When I was a young man working in the coal mines and we got laid off, and man, I had everything. I had boat, camper, snowmobile, street bike, dirt bike. One at a time, I watched them leave the house. I put them up for sale. And I started giving God what was God's. My sister started tithing. I think she's, she's here. She started working 15, 16. She used to buy a piano she, and, and different things for our little country church. And, and she, her husband died unexpectedly with kids, I can't remember, nine, eight, and seven, something like that. And, and her world was turned upside down, but she said, I shall not be moved. And God has ambushed her time and time again. Just went through cancer and now she's cancer free because of the stripes. You may not want to know about this. That's it. Come on. Bless the Lord. You may not want to know about this whipping post until you get cancer. You may not want to know about the willpower from the Garden of Gethsemane until you need it. You may not really want to know about prosperity until you don't have nothing. Why would I wait till you have nothing to teach on this? Why don't we head it on, hit it head on now? Realize that poverty is a part of the curse from which we've been redeemed. We've been brought back. Poverty is not God's will. Prosperity is God's will. Luke 6 and 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I said earlier, God is not broke. According to the book of Psalms, chapter 50, verse 10, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to butcher one of those. I don't mean everyone go down to the spiker farm and kill you a cow today, all right? <laughs> Psalms 15 and 12, for the world, listen to what God says. He said, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. He said, everything, I got it all. I got it all and he wants to share it with us. What else does God have to say about prosperity? The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. It's amazing how God can take money away from the sinners and put it in the hands of God's people because God's people know how to use it. Huh? Oh, man. Somebody say, wow. What else did God say? Listen to Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. That's what it's all about. He don't need my money. He's got everything. 
He wants us to remember him. For it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. You think you got it on your own. You are sadly mistaken. You don't have nothing. You came in this world but naked. And you're going to leave the same way. You think you're going to take it with you? You have lost your mind. But you can lay up treasures in heaven where moth or rust will not corrupt. I'm going to say a four-letter word. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's going to cuss. It is a, it's a cuss word in 2021. Work. Sometimes I think it wouldn't matter what I said, you guys would clap. Get a job. Well, I'm living by faith. No, you El Mucho is what you are. You living by mooching off of this one and mooching off of that one. You living in your mom and dad's basement, you're 40 years old, get a life, get a job. Mom and dad, kick them out and tell them to go to work. Is that okay? Work is not a curse. Before the fall, Adam had to tend the garden. He had to work before, but after that, he had to sweat. You and I can work through this life and enjoy work and be blessed by it. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, if you don't work, you don't eat. So I'm gonna give you some good pastoral advice. (laughs) If you're with somebody that refuses to work today, don't buy them lunch on the way home. Tell them, I ain't buying, Pastor said, you got to starve a little bit. <laughs> I got some very uncomfortable people right now. God wants to bless his children, not only financially, but emotionally, mentally. He wants you to prosper in every area of your life. John, I watch you and Sue, and you're an inspiration. I'm blessed to be able to spend time with them. John got me in trouble in the Amish country. Every time they get to the car, he opens the car door for her. So I thought, well, (laughs) I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. (laughs) So I started opening the car door every time. It's hard, Rusty, because I'd forget. And I felt like everybody's eyes were on me. Then when we left the Amish country, he said, now listen, Pastor, this is just not a vacation thing. This is an everyday thing. I thought, God, I need a lot of help. (laughs) I want to say something, but I'm afraid to. I'm not that afraid. (laughs) You want romance in the bedroom? Maybe do some dishes. This ain't got nothing to do with my message. I'm getting deeper and deeper, ain't I? (laughs) Sacrifice a little bit of your time from the golf course. Oh! I don't play golf. That's why I said that. (laughs) Psalms 35 and 27. Honestly, if you want your relationship and your family to prosper in every area, you got to work for it. You think it's just gonna fall out of heaven, it ain't gonna happen. You gotta work for it. You gotta start building. 
Listen, God wants to bless each one of you. Psalms 35 and 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I truly believe that God will bless everything that you put your hand to. And I know I've been rambling probably more than I usually do. But I truly believe that everything I put my hand to will prosper. I believe it. My wife and I still do all kinds of things on the side to make money. You just can't wait on it to show up. But the foundation is we're givers, we're tithers. A couple weeks ago, three, four weeks ago, a couple of the families that live out close to 19 had the opportunity to tap into city sewage. They had aeration systems. And they know I buy stuff and I sell stuff all the time to make extra money. And they said, Pastor, we've got these grinders inside this septic tank. The one said, I just paid, got a new one. It wasn't a problem. Paid 600 and some dollars for it. Do you want it? I said, I'll take it. This is your pastor. I got rubber gloves, clear to here. I went over there and I took that lid off and I unplugged it and I had big black garbage bags there. And I put that grinder. You know what's on the grinder? I thought you did. And I put them in black plastic bags and I drove down to the car wash. And I cleaned them babies up and I cleaned the car wash up before I left. My wife said, if you can sell that, you can sell anything. I would have never went over there to get it if I didn't think it would prosper. I got them sold. <laughs> I got them sold. Love God. Plead the blood of Jesus that was shed to break the curse of poverty on your life. Get off your backside and put your hand at a plow and watch God bless you. I don't even know if he's here. I think he is. Jordan Toth, I'm not sure. School teacher, sells insurance, most people's yards on the side. That's why he's got that new house down here. Because he knows what the Lord can do. And he'll do it for you. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you need help somewhere in your life of willpower, I'm speaking to the Christians, the willpower. Slip your hand up high. Slip your hand up high. Plead the blood of Jesus. You can put your hand back down. If you're here today, you need a healing, whatever it is, physical, emotional, financial, relationship, be honest. Because God already knows, but have an act of faith. Slip your hand toward heaven. Slip your hand toward heaven. See, I've had enough. I've had enough. Now for today's message, if you need to prosper in any area of your life, slip your hand up high. I made a statement to one of our staff this week as every head still bowed. I made a statement this week. I said, I want to make as much money as I can make in my life every day, every day, because I know how to use it. God wants to bless us in every area. 
that he shed his blood. Next week, we'll speak about the hands and the feet and what benefits us. Now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, the ultimate reason the blood of Jesus was shed was to save our soul. He loved us so much that he gave it all. He gave every drop of blood, not only for what I spoke about, but to save our soul. And none of these other blessings will apply in your life until your soul is well with God. You say, well, I've been to church all my life. I didn't ask you if you've been to church all your life. I ask you, have you really, really humbled yourself and prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your life and asked God to change you? If you've never done that, you can go to church 100 years and you're still lost. You can join the church, you can be baptized, but unless you plead the blood of Jesus and ask Christ to forgive you and repent of your sins, you will die and go to hell. I will not come to you in any way, shape, or form, but if you have never prayed that prayer and you would like to have your name written in heaven, you would like the Lord to be the Lord of your life, you'd like for your soul to be saved and your soul to prosper, slip your hand up high this morning, slip your hand up. I will not come to you and embarrass you. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand. Somebody else this morning. Be honest. Somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. I see your hand, thank you. Somebody else, somebody else. Be honest, be honest, be honest. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Nobody looking around. Those that raised their hand this morning, put your head up and open your eyes and look right at me. Look right at me, that's right. Pray it out loud. Don't be ashamed. If, if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. If you're with somebody that you know, somebody that you love, reach over and grab them by the hand. Reach over and grab them by the hand. That's right, that's right. Pray this prayer out loud and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, today I entered in broken with some chains that have me bound. But right now, right here, I plead the blood of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, of my faults, and of my failures. Dear Lord, from this day forward, I do my best to live my life for you. Help me to have a desire to have your knowledge that comes from your written word. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody in the house ought to rejoice right now. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Kerry sings. I want to open this altar up for a few minutes. Listen, it's early. The Baptists don't get out till noon. We'll beat them to the restaurant, all right? But I, I, I want you to have an opportunity to come. If you're not able to kneel, stand. But there's something about taking a step, an action. So as Pastor sings, this altar's open for any need that you, you're not at a church where somebody's gonna say, huh, I wonder what's going on in their life. 
We're rooting for you to break through. Come. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Thank you.